The following is not intended for younger audiences. The opinions expressed do not reflect the views of the podcaster's employers. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the one and only Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Welcome, uh, welcome everyone to Two Dudes, One Double Feature, the show in which two dudes talk two films, and that is about it. I am Dude One, Richard. And I'm Dude Two, Joe. And we have an exciting episode for you guys today, but before we get into that, as always, I must ask Dude Two, Joe. My good buddy. (laughs) How you doing? (laughs) I guess we'll find out. I'll wait. Well. (laughs) That was rude. No. Um, How how are you? How are you? I'm, uh, well, you know, uh, I'm all right. I, I need to get ready for our trip. Uh, yeah, bad. That that was, Um, I did, that was my thing today. I was doing stuff because I got paid, so... Yeah, I gotta, I gotta get, I gotta get some more short, like cargo shorts. I think that's gonna be my big thing because, um, like I feel like, not to get too per, it's like I have work pants and then I have like gym shorts, and that's <laughs> you know something funny. I feel like ever since the first time I went with you, all I have is shorts now. So like winter comes, winter comes, and I'm like, I have no pants. <laughs> <laughs> so like i have i especially now i have an abundance of shorts you know what i will bring extra in case you need some yes thank you they, um, could, they would normally be pee shorts in case i pee myself but you know <laughs> i use them for other things too all good all good it's all right <laughs> um i need to get that stuff i gotta get you know just uh toiletry some toiletry items and uh, Rip Harmon's, because that's where I used to get my, like, you know, like, airport uh, TSA-approved size items. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just gotta, you know, probably just go to Target or whatever. That's what but, I did today, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and <coughs> let's see, I got a, I've been getting a bunch of discs in the mail lately. Nothing uh, wrong with that. Whole, nothing wrong with it. It's a hu- huge stack of discs. You know, and I still got to watch some of them, but it's just been, been busy. Like the one day we were supposed to watch one of the movies and I was so exhausted from work that I just sort of just. It, listen, it happens. And farted. <laughs> Sometimes it happens, you know, you fart, you vibe. So this is, this is my very public. I apologize. <laughs> uh, You're fine. Listen. You said it yourself. It t- it's it, it it takes a lot to really frustrate me, <laughs> and if I didn't like you so much, I, I'd sock you one. <laughs> oh That's pretty bad. That means you have to buy a plane uh, ticket or a train ticket or drive to New Jersey just to punch me. 
No, I just imagine a whole scenario. It's like Patty answers, "Oh, hey, Richard, how are you doing?" You come I'd, just, in, I'd be so nice and be like, "Hey, how you guys doing?" Where's Joey? I don't want to go say hi. <laughs> Dock me, deck me in the man cave. <laughs> that was just really fun. That said, deck me in the man cave. <laughs> Pow! Right in the castle. Pow! Right in the man cave. Um. Yeah, or in my Mojo Dojo Casa. <laughs> That's beautiful. We'll have to get you a sign. Uh, I need that. I've been looking online and there's like doormats and I, I want to put it in front of my man cave. <laughs> That's awesome. Not that I need a doormat inside like that, but. Listen, it, it makes it feel more homey. It's, it adds to the experience. Um, but go, going beyond that. Um, no, just I just been like uh, you know selling stuff on eBay. Um, I I have I have an eBay store. I might put a link to that somewhere. Um, you do got a cool new uh, logo. Not to interrupt, but like the logo you sent me, that's awesome. Well, again, John, John made that no. logo. So so great. I, I'm looking to make business cards just to be like that guy. Oh, I have a small business. If you if you make you them, know. could you please hand them out to people at Disney? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think they would kick my ass if, like, I, if I. What is the shit? Kick me out. What is the shit? <laughs> like it's my store. I'll give it. I'll give one to you, but I'm not. I, I, no. I'll I'll take one. I'll take one. Um, I'll put it in my wallet. But but you know, so I've been like selling discs, like basically stuff that like I've upgraded or things I don't like. Um, I. What did I just sell? I just sold a Blu-ray, like a regular Blu-ray copy of Lawrence of Arabia. Oh, because okay. I have the steel, I have the steelbook edition, which has everything. It's the 4K and the Blu-ray stuff, anyway. Mm. So, no need for me to keep that. I also am trying to. I'm trying to sell my Joseph von Sternberg box set. I, I have the DVD version. I just got the Blu-ray from the Criterion sale. Been looking to get Blu-ray upgrade that for a very long time. So. Uh, trying to get rid of that, but you know, I'll, I'll have, I'm going to put more stuff as time goes on. Uh, I also put toys and figures and all sorts of stuff on there. So you'll never know. It's Joe's, Joe's vintage, uh, Joe's vintage videos and more, or you might find it as Joe vintage 93. Let me, let me tell you, this dude takes care of his shit. So, I mean, it's, I bet you it's going to be like real good quality stuff when you go on there. It's, it's, it's going to be all right. Um, <laughs> I, am I overselling? I, also, I think you take care of yourself. No, I, I yeah. do, I do. But it, you, you know, like I said, it's a lot. It's like used stuff. There's nothing. No, there's yeah, yeah, yeah. Rarely anything that's like you know sealed. But I, again, I put my discs back where they need to go. You know, so it's like, no, you know, knowing you, um, I'd argue at least like new, like like new. Yeah, like the only thing is like sometimes like again, I've had some stuff for so long, like the shelfware. Um, gets to it but you know the discs are still good that's the important yeah. stuff but um i've also just been slightly rearranging my displays in my man cave like and that's something i like doing mm -hmm. because like there are certain like i like to call them anchor points in my man cave that just don't change like there's my mcfarland king kong figures they're just gonna stay there from now till forever um i have my like giant like 12 inch like superman figures that my uncle got me, you know, from Superman 78. They're going to stay in their spot. Uh, like a whole, like, vampire display that this, that just stays, you know. It's, it's like, certain things. But, like, I moved some stuff around. So, like, and I've been getting the NECA Universal monster figures. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
So, and they, they've looked, dude, let me tell you, these things are so beautiful, these figures. Um, I've been a fan of NECA for a long time, but I've been really loving these figures. I get the color ones, which is a bone of contention with Feehan, because he gets the black and white ones. He's like, oh, you see him in black and white? I'm like, yeah, but it's like, listen, they're cool. It's listen, cool. It's the color's cool, man. Uh, you know, listen, it's, and they have different, the cool, it's cool is they have different accessories, so it's like, yeah. you know. You can't like uh, like Dracula. Dra- black and white Dracula. I think has like a top hat, and the, the um, there's like a whole separate set for Dracula too. Like you can get like a, a yeah, an like, accessory set. Same thing with uh, Frankenstein's monster and the mummy. I like that. They also have accessories, but I have who do I have? I have the Bride of Frankenstein, the Phantom of the Opera, uh, the the Wolfman, Frankenstein's monster, Dracula, the mummy, the Karloff mummy. Uh, to be specific, mm-hmm. and um, the Invisible Man, um, and they all look they all look fantastic. Um, but it was also cool is because it's I also made it like a spooky display. So Richard uh, gave me a Madame Leota popcorn bucket. Yep, he was able to secure it for me. Um, so that's a nice display piece up there, uh, and it's chilling out with my little tiki um, <laughs> hatbox ghost ornament. Uh, did you see their release? Is that the same one that they're re-releasing? Are they re-releasing it or? Well, mine's a little different because mine, like, the hat, the the head is is like the face is not there. Uh, it's, it's, it's in, in the, the box. It's in the hat. Uh, it's in the hat box. Plus, mine's like brown. I think this one's like a different, it's like purplish different blue, maybe or something. Yeah, they do that with a bunch of them. It's kind of it's in, it's interesting with a bunch of the some of the tiki stuff that they um that they sell, but. That's still co- uh, that's still cool though, the one you got. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, like I said, I found it randomly at a local Disney. I didn't even find it in like Florida or California. It was just at a random Disney store that I was at. Um, you know, but uh, that's really about it on my end of things. How are you doing? Uh, you know, I'm all right, I guess. Yeah, I'm just. Join myself getting ready for our trip, which by the time this comes out, it'll have already happened. So we're like well into release stuff because it's still it's the beginning of August for us. It's the third today. The uh, the third, yeah. Tomorrow's gonna be the fourth. Um. So I've just been like today. I I went to like you were talking. I went to Target and I got all my little things in there. I have a whole bag downstairs that i'll have to mess with and put in like a separate thing um i guess on a, on a like a like a more positive update as far as life stuff is concerned um so this is gonna take some explaining and you know going into like a story that i've told on here before but i just got a, just got tired of having to tell all the time but um i do really love going to the movie theater contrary to many uh to many times I've talked about my movie theater experiences and doing all that stuff within recent years. I do like going. And the only the only real complications pre-pandemic that I faced were sleep apnea, which caused me to not have energy, so I fall asleep during movies a lot. Um, but then also, I currently work at a movie theater, and I work at the one that I used to go to all the time. So the idea of wanting to go back to work when I don't have to be there. You know, that's a little... No one likes to do that. At least I, I don't imagine anyone would like to do that. Like, I don't imagine Joe would like to go back to work when he's like, I'm home, I'm good. 
Yeah, that's that's true. But I also have that that benefit of like, while I like my job, it's not something. It's not a a rec. My job isn't like a recreational activity. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just like you just don't want to. You just don't want to. No, that makes sense. Um. And so I've always had that mentality. So that, that grew and grew. I would still go to the movies all the time, but it would either be like just me co- talking to myself, like, do I really want to go? I'm off today. Especially when, like back then when I used to work like every day of the week. Now I only work so much um, by choice. But, you know, back back in the day, I definitely was like every day of the week was open. So it's like, I'm off today. Do I want to go see a movie this weekend? For, for the one Saturday I have off, nah, I'm gonna stay home. <laughs> so, you know, that's makes sense. Makes sense. But I would still like periodically. I'd go out to see something that I would want to see and find the time for it. It won't be till like it wouldn't have ever been to like later, but I would still find the time for it. Um, but then obviously the pandemic hit, and then no one went to the movie theaters. And then for a lot of people, it became like a gradual like, do I want to go back? You know, how am I feeling about this? And you know, eventually I went back to work and then there was this discussion with myself on comfortability. Um, I was never really like massively agoraphobic beforehand, but then I, it came kind of became a big thing. Um, but I always hated germs. I always had anxiety. I've always dealt with that stuff, but, uh, um, that sort of became an issue more so in this time period. And so, uh, trying to find ways to see movies that I wanted to see because they were starting to release things eventually. And so it became like, how do I find a way to go see a movie? How do I find a way to make myself comfortable in these situations? Um, and so periodically I would find certain moments or find opportunities. I'd be like, okay, I can actually go watch something that I want to watch. Though, like, in comparison between Joey and I, like, Joey has thankfully, you know, he's been able to go to the movies almost every weekend, which is fantastic and so how many movies have you seen in the last three years well and the thing is like the last up like the summer i've been seeing a lot but like there was a dry period in the earlier part of the year where i was definitely not seeing as many things as i wanted Mm -hmm. to uh for personal things just happened and was like yeah you were you were going uh, through some stuff yeah survival mode yeah (laughs) um (laughs) unfortunately not to yeah not to derail that but Basically, like, looking at my list, I've seen, like, over 50 movies on the big screen. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean, like, new movies. That mean, just means it movies. Just means movie, movies. I Because I make a list on Letterboxd, and you've done this. I, too, I stole like, your list, yeah. <laughs> beca- because, like, I treasure that experience, going to the movies. And I want to remember every time that I go go to the movies. Especially now. You know, like, especially now. Um, because there was a period of time where we thought, maybe we won't be able to do this again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, but keep, you, you can, so in comparison, like for me, with all those factors coming into play, I've, uh, I had seen about 12 movies in theaters, which is, (laughs) is minuscule in comparison. But again, I have my excuse of, well, I work at a movie theater, so that's support in itself. Like I'm literally lifting things (laughs) so that people can go to the movies. Um, However, uh, the last few weekends, I've actually become more frequently going to the movies. So, like, we did an episode last, it was not our last episode, but the episode before, 
um, our trip. Well, the first it's before that we got, went on our trip. It's the first. It's this week actually <laughs> that we're t- so it's this week August fourth uh, will be our uh, will be uh, when we do the Barbenheimer episode. Um, so I saw Barbie and I saw Oppenheimer, and then I went uh, with my sister to watch the new Haunted Mansion movie, which that I honestly had a good time with that. It's listen, it's flawed as hell. It's got a lot of weird product placement, but you know what? I don't really care. <laughs> like the cast was so fun, and um, it actually like felt like it was about something, whereas like the first one just kind of felt pointless, you know. And it felt more like it, f- it connected to haunted mansion related things, whereas the other one was more like loosely haunted mansion. Um, but I also have like a weird affinity for like horror movies for kids because it's it seems like such an odd subject like wait a horror movie for a child right that's that's strange it's like kids like horror i don't know what to tell you it's the truth and while it's not the scariest thing i could definitely see it being like one of those movies that like a kid will watch like during like 31 days of halloween and be like "Ooh, this is cool and they did a good job with it, so I, I I'm, a, I'm a big fan of it. It's it's not perfect, but I liked it, and my sister had a good time with it too, which I was happy about. She is she is definitely one of those like more traditionalists when it comes to cer- some movies, especially with like remakes. So like I I don't know how she feels about the old haunted mansion movie, but there were so many times I thought she was going to be like, yeah, this was fun, but it's not the Eddie Murphy one. <laughs> And, like, listen, if you like the Eddie Murphy one, I know it's kind of getting reappraised by people with its, like, television viewings and stuff, but, you know, I, I can't really say I'm a fan, honestly, but if you like it, that's cool. But th- there's just... I, no, yeah. no, you go ahead, you go ahead. Um, I mean, the one thing I will say, in, in not in it's not entirely in favor, it's just the state of Disney back then, but, like, um, I remember at Hollywood Studios, for some movies, they used to have, like, almost like sets like so i think it was like a piece of the set from haunted mansion was there and it was like a whole promotional thing and that was really cool. that is really cool um yeah i think it was one of those things where I, if i could have ti- we could have time traveled i think you would have been like oh shit this is actually kind of this kind of this kind of nifty okay i can get um, on this i met i remember it too because there was also one for the one i did a lot as a kid was 101 dalmatians when that movie was like the glenn close one when that was a new movie mm-hmm. Um, I think that's since basically been torn down because of like Toy Story. I think because of Toy Story Land and just you know all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't really speak. I think I said this last time. I can't speak neither here nor there on the on the Eddie Murphy one because it's been so long since I last saw it. Um, and I did like the new one. So yeah, there's that. I I I actually I watched it ahead of time just to see how I felt about it and. I had some opinions I won't repeat. <laughs> Joey knows what I'm talking about. Um, oh, yeah. But um, it did have some good qualities. I liked the the sets. I liked um, uh, the hitchhiking ghosts were really fun in the in the Eddie Murphy one. I liked Deep Roy as one of them. <laughs> Just like, like they kept saying, we could see you. And he's like, don't look. He's lying. They can't see us. That was funny. Um, the Rick Baker designs were really fantastic, obviously. Um, uh, Jennifer Tilly as Madame Leota was funny. <laughs> um, but I also like Jamie Lee Curtis as Madame Leota, so I don't think we've had a bad Leota. Right. Um, but no, I had a good time with that. My sister had a good time with that. We actually went to, like, one of the nicer theaters in our area, which is, like, an hour away to see it, but 
Um, that was a lot of fun. And then today, this morning, I went and saw the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, Mutant Mayhem. And that was a good time. I will say, I I didn't realize how jarring it was going to be, but I'm so used, unfortunately, I'm as as I'm sure most people are, I'm so used to the Ninja Turtles being played by adults, right? Like even like the '90s one, which we talked about, like they're they're all played by like maybe like twenty somethings. It's like young younger adults, but still adults. Whereas like, you know, I I can't like to the life of me, I cannot think of an adaptation of the Ninja Turtles where they were actually played by teenagers. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, it, it's like the Grease phenomenon. It's exactly you know? yeah. <laughs> like. Oh, it's it's why like the teachers in Greece are like seventy, <laughs> so this forty year old can look thinking... like a teenager. <laughs> so you know, I'm just like thinking about like uh, like the sewer. <laughs> sewer loving had me a blast. <laughs> oh my god, ninja lightning. <laughs> Gold into lightning, you're burning up the sewer lid. Oh man. Splinter's the word, is the time, is the feeling. It's, but no, it's, it, it's, it. That's unironically one of my favorite songs of all. It, time. it is, it is a great song. It, uh, it is, I, I, I listened to that song, like, whatever, as far as the Grease soundtrack goes, if that, if that one pops on, I, I'm immediately listening to it. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I don't skip it. It's like, I can't, I don't get tired of it myself. But no, but when you're watching this movie and you hear actual like kid voices, you're like, huh? <laughs> like it's, it's fantastic, but you're really taken aback for a second. I didn't realize how like shocked I was going to be. And the way that they did it is that they had all the kid actors that voiced the turtles in the same room together. And they just like talk to each other and like they read their dialogue, but then they would also like improvise because, you know, it's Seth Rogen joint. So typically, you know, there's a lot of that improvisation um, in the, in his work. And uh, so like there'd be times they'd say things like the director was saying this and like a behind the scenes, like they'd be saying words like Riz or whatever, which I just learned w- what that means. Uh, <laughs> and um, <laughs> they, they would be like, all right, let's keep it in there. <laughs> It's like, um, I was also seeing too, like, one of them was, like, apparently a fan of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Yeah, so, or something. so that's kind of part of how they update the Turtles for this one. Uh, I, yeah. um, because, cause, like, when you typically think of the Turtles, you think of, like, you know, Leonardo's the leader, Raphael's the angry one, Michelangelo's the funny one, Donatello's the tech nerd guy. But, like, with this one, what I liked, because like, this is, like, not it's not even just that they're played by kids, it feels like a whole, like revamp because like even even like jackie chan who plays uh splinter he doesn't come off like like a martial arts master he's not master splinter he's dad so he's a he's a he is a new york rat dad (laughs) who happened who (laughs) happened to learn through the internet ninjutsu and taught it to his son so they can like defend themselves because i mean he's a new york rat he hates humans it just makes sense um but like leonardo he's he's still the leader but he's like kind of the I don't want to say stick in the mud, but he is like, like from like the younger brother point of view, like, you know, we got to follow the rules. Like, come on. Right. Come on. So he gets, he kind of gets made fun of by them a lot, but he's trying, he's looking out for his brothers and 
you know, because he, he might be the oldest or he might, I don't know. But um, Raphael, he, he isn't necessarily the angry one, but he's definitely violent. <laughs> so he likes to, like, uh, break stuff. And he's like, I dream of fighting every night! <laughs> <laughs> um, Michelangelo, he's kind of like a, he's kind of like a, like a theater kid a little bit. He's got a little theater kid in him. Like, he wants to do improv classes. And Donatello's like like a like I guess if you want to differentiate between a nerd and a geek, I guess he's a geek. To to, to quote uh, Megan Fox and Tyler Perry from Out of the Shadow, it's the difference between TED Talks and Comic Con. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 <laughs> so he's definitely more Comic Con this time. So he's a big anime fan. So like he talks about like Attack on Titan is like something he's that Donatello is a big yeah. fan of. Sure. Um, so they revamp that, and we get to see some of the other mutant characters, Bebop, Rocksteady, uh, show up in this one. Um, we we get to meet uh, a bunch of other characters. What's funny is uh, Paul Rudd's character, who's uh, like a gecko, like Mondo Gecko, I think is his name. Mondo Gecko, yeah. He acts like how the turtles would act in previous installments <laughs> so that's where it's kind of like i'm used to this but not with this character <laughs> right <laughs> but no like now, it, so, see uh, go ahead yeah, yeah, yeah go ahead go ahead uh, uh, um i'm almost a vision like a, how do you do fellow young people <laughs> just steve is semi just like hello yet fellow young people <laughs> <laughs> But no, it's it is it is like really crazy. You don't even think about it. But then, like the moment they show up on screen, you're like, I I never would have thought that would have been so crazy to see like and like because because I'm so used to the artifice of teenager with previous turtles. But then this one, it's like we got at, like legitimate turtle teenagers to play these characters. So now it feels like the whole title makes sense, like teenage mutant ninja turtles, as opposed to just mutant ninja turtles maybe teenagers we don't know they're acting like it they claim to be but we don't know um and uh there's a lot of fun moments the animation is absolutely beautiful in it um it's definitely going to be one of those movies that i think grows on me the more i watch it and i actually just pre-ordered the 4k because that's how they do it these days <laughs> i already got it pre-ordered uh it's like 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 30 seconds before the movie comes out oh yeah we can pre-order it now. it's like oh cool thanks guys <laughs> Par i will say paramount and universal i think are probably the worst offenders in that because like i feel like a moment a universal or a paramount movie comes out like the moment mission impossible came out it was like oh you want to pre-order it i'm like i mean yeah but you know i could have waited give me five minutes <laughs> at the very least but no, I had a good time with it. But I, I, I mean, I, I, I'm somewhat proud of myself. You know, I mean, I'm still, I'm still not going to like, you know, movies with you know massive amounts of crowds. Like I saw Turtles, and there was only like me and two other people who were like five rows behind me. Right. The the probably the busiest experiences within this time period was Oppenheimer, and Haunted Mansion. Because every other experience, like I try to see things in the morning. Haunted Mansion, I saw at like four o'clock on a Sunday. So I'm like, it's four o'clock on a Sunday. Most people are going to be doing other things. So, um, but you know, I, I, I've gone to the movies a little bit more frequently. So, and we were, we might try to do another one, uh, 
when we get there. Um, but we'll see what happens, obviously. But you know, I I guess I'm I'm semi proud of myself. I think you should be, and also I'm just happy as your friend that you're finding you're finding ways to do something to return to something that you love. Yeah, you know, on your terms. Yeah, which is nice. It's never on anyone else's terms because I don't give a shit about anyone else. No. <laughs> I made that sound a lot more negative than I. (laughs) Well, well, you know, I mean, again, on your terms, like when people say, oh, my terms, sometimes it's like, dude, you're negatively affecting other people. (laughs) Yours doesn't harm anybody. So it's like, cool. (laughs) Then I just start, I just drive to Joey's house every time I go to the movies. Now now it is harming people. Stop it. Decks me in the face again. (laughs) At the man cave. I would never punch Joey in the face, just to put that out there. I don't want that to be a thing. I, I almost felt it was going to happen. We were at 2019, uh, Mickey, Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party. And I'll tell you, get off! Stop it! I used my words, and then we were just uncomfortable the rest of the time. He verbally punched me, folks. He verbally. Which, almost, which is almost worse. Yeah. <laughs> But so <laughs> I am I am I am dark as night. Call me the dark night. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> that's that's about it for me. You know, <laughs> we're just we just got the trip stuff coming up. I'm genuinely excited. Um, we're gonna be we got a b- bunch of stuff planned. You know, we're going to try to hit up Tron, which I'm super stoked about. I'm excited to um, celebrate your birthday with you. Um, have a good time with that. But I want to get today's episode because we have uh, some fun ones. Um, Joey considers this this one my birthday episode, <laughs> given the, the subject matter, uh, the stars of the subject matter. The, the stars is up to, uh, but also it was like I felt like I was a bit pushy with the artist Hugo episode Duh, being no, I, you know so, but it but even even like because we didn't intend for it to be like this, <laughs> but it just feels like the Richard episode. It, it does feel very fitting. I mean, I I mean, did I said su- no? You suggested the Hugo artist episode, right? Or did I suggest that? I suggested Hugo artist. I suggested this one. Y- you suggested this okay. one for sure. All right, so that yeah, then that okay, sure. that makes sense then. <laughs> but no, today's episode is all about teachers. Now, obviously, in the world of cinema, it's a mixed bag. You know, we got we got um, all types of movies about teachers. We have, you know, movies where the teachers are jerks, which happens probably more than it should. I think of fucking Ben Stein and Ferris Bueller, like <laughs> boring as shit. Um, the the unfortunately weird situations of like white savior movies, where like you have this this white teacher, and then like here's a whole bunch of terrible kids that are, are none of them are white. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> we got a lot of those. Um, yeah, we're not talking about either of those kinds of movies. Because we're talking about the kinds of movies where we have teachers that actually, like, give a shit. Um, you know, I, like, I'll, I'll fully admit, I, I was, the school system and me didn't mix very well. I was not a very good student. That happened, you're not alone in that. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, you know, it's a, 
it's 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 a it's a weird place. It is, yeah. But I can't say I I am very happy that at a certain point I was able to realize that I how much I appreciated you know the teachers that I did have. I want to give a shout out to a couple of them real quick here. I want to give a shout out to Susan Midcap. Um, she was like mom at school. She she always took care of all of her students. Absolute treasure of a woman. She, um, I, I call, I joked with her that she was my Mr. Feeney. <laughs> <laughs> so I called her mid Feeney all the time. I, um, I even got her a, a nameplate for her desk, which she kept until she retired. Oh. So, um, so that means a lot to me, honestly. Um, and I want to give a shout out to this. I was a high school teacher, by the way. Um, another high school teacher, Chris Wise, uh, was my English teacher, which is appropriate for our first feature. Actually, showed me our first feature in his class. Um, if it wasn't for him, I probably wouldn't have had any interest in like storytelling or books or reading or like even just writing in general. Like he he was genuinely like he met, he probably meant more to me than he realized, honestly. Yeah. Um and. I remember the last day, my senior, my last day of school, he wasn't my teacher at the time, but I would still visit him every now and then. I remember going into his classroom because I, I used to do that a lot in my off time. I'd go like visit him and talk to him. I'm sure he had like things he had to do, but like I would try to help. In some, so I didn't feel like I was just wasting his time. He did let me, which was really funny. He did let me, because I had like a history of Batman book. He let me set it on the whiteboard and then write a Batman fact on the whiteboard every single day. <laughs> oh, that's cool. So, like, any any time you went to his class, there's just a random Batman fact just on the board. Um, and then the last day of school uh, that I that I had, um, I went into his classroom, and he hand and he pulled out this uh, box of trading cards that he had because he had told me a while ago he collected these trading cards from when the first Michael Keaton movie came out. He selected like six of them and he gave them to me. Oh. I still have them. That's awesome. To this very day, I still have them. He he meant so much to me. He's one of the coolest. And, I mean, I probably wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him, to be completely honest. And um, some college uh, teachers that I had that I really appreciated. James Waters is one. Um, he also is, like, big in, like, the local movie scene around here. So, like, he actually let me, when I filmed one of my short films, he let me play it at a local film festival, and I did a and a and everything, which he didn't have to do, but he did. Right. Like, he didn't even see the movie. He was like, yeah, we're going to do it. I'm like, thanks. Um, but uh, he was always super helpful, and uh, he he was one of my favorite teachers. He was an adjunct teacher. Um, and... Uh, so, like, eventually, you know, he didn't get the... Unfortunately, he didn't get, like, the hours that he wanted um, after yeah. the fact. But um, he, he... So I didn't get to see him as much after a while. But I was happy to have him when I did. Um, yeah. And then the head of the film department of the school I went to, uh, Maria Blayahu, one of the only teachers I ever called by her first name because she wanted it that way. It was the weirdest thing. But <laughs> I was... But... Um, she, I love her so much, is kind of in that same way with uh, my English teacher, with Mr. Wise, because, see, naturally, I can't, <laughs> it just comes out like that, um, because she, she instilled, like, again, I feel so terrible for, like, you know, not being a better student in, in various instances, but she was always, 
you know, you could tell that she really liked what she was talking about and she loved what she was doing. She actually was taking like NYU film classes like virtually while she was teaching us, which was crazy. Um, mm. But she was one of the best. Um, I remember her, uh, you know, she she ended up teaching like so many classes too because just so much was going on at the time and I felt terrible, but um, I, 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 I cherished every moment because again, she was one of the best teachers and um, she made me actually like I wouldn't be sitting doing a podcast like this, like a film. This is basically like my film theory class, which was right. I loved doing because I just liked watching movies and talking about them afterwards. Um, and nothing ever really felt like the wrong answer, you know. Um, there was one time which was kind of weird. Uh, we were helping her, like me and my other some classmates of mine and her. We were filming some stuff for the school. And we had a we had an idea where I was gonna dress up like a psychic and play a psychic, and so like she brought a bunch of her clothes from home, and I'm like, I've never worn one of my teacher's clothes, so this is strange, but I'll try my best with this with this job. <laughs> and I looked, I will say, I looked fantastic. I looked very yeah, good. Sure. The set decoration was fantastic, and they just let me, they let me yammer on, <laughs> like there was no script. I was just going, yes. I see there is a cafeteria, <laughs> and, and there's like an orca in this cafeteria. I don't know why, um, but no, I there's like there's a, a, a whole bunch of teachers that I appreciate, but those ones specifically, I've always um, held high in regard and for all they've done for me. And so, um, genuinely, teachers are so important and can be so impactful. And you know, I probably could have saved this for later, but I really wanted to give them a shout out now before we really got into the discussion. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, no, absolutely. But that's what this episode is. This episode is really an appreciation for educators and what they can do, and and how important they are. And I I feel like, especially this first one, I feel like really represents that, like someone that genuinely gives a shit, someone that wants nothing but the best for their students. Long winded, but we're finally here, Joe Tinny Dan. What is our first? feature today the sigh it is i love it it is the dead poets society beautiful <laughs> beautiful uh i don't want to like make a joke out of the title <laughs> here, really do. I just feel wrong <laughs> i would have been like really <laughs> like the next one the next movie i probably will that one's that one's more okay yeah that one's more okay um, I do agree with you. This movie feels like, like the genuine, like Pat, like, like the ideal teacher that you would want, mm -hmm. you know, because like, you know, obviously you have Robin Williams, like great Robin Williams, um, in this and it was John Keating's the char character's name. I think so. I just remember his name is Mr. Keating, but I do believe his first name is John. Yeah. But, um, which I, I also found interesting. I was reading that this is the inspired by an actual teacher oh that's good um the writer the screenwriter um for this it was based on some of his experiences and um so robin williams character is somewhat inspired by that um person but it's really like really is a love like a sort of in a way is a love letter to like the teachers that you know they might take something that you might not find interesting at first but make it something you become obsessed with. Like, 
absolutely extraordinary. Like, like you look at it and you're like, I never saw it this way. Like, and it's one of those things too, where I feel like you, you do have, when you're teach you do have to, when you're teaching something like much like when you're doing a podcast or anything like that, I think you got to be excited about it on some level. Yeah, I get- agree. You, like, because like you can, like, if you're like not liking what you're doing, people, people can tell. And I um, mean, you know, I hope that comes through when we, you know, Rich and I record, I think it does. You know, we really enjoy this. Mm-hmm. And when a teacher, when you have a teacher who really likes uh, what they're talking, you know, um, I'm going to give you a quick shout out to my professor, Ferg. Um, that was what he wanted everybody to call him. He's a doctor. And it's just, uh, no, Dr. Ferg, in- just Doc, just Ferg. Just Ferg. I like yep. it. So it was like, it was funny because we had to take like, I, I took for radio, like when I went to college. Mm-hmm. So we had like a whole like resume building class, like or interview building class. And like we had to do a mock interview. So like calling him by his first name <laughs> was very weird. Yeah. But it was like, what you had, you know, or like it's like it this email, hey, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> But I took like a hip hop class, and that was really cool. Nice. And he was, you know, he was really into that. And um, I took his dark. He had a Christopher Nolan class. We watched, um, watched basically all of Nolan's films, and we watched other stuff too. Like we watched Last Year in Marion Bad, mm-hmm. which is like, you know, we connected that sort of to um, Inception. We watched both versions of Insomnia, so I, you know, expanded my horizons quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he's a great guy, but like. You know, it's again somebody who they are they lo- they're and they love what they do. Yeah, and they want other people. They want to show other people their love, and they want people, you know, to like at least say, "Hey, oh, that's that's kind of that's kind of neat." And they might go about it in ways that are maybe maybe not in line with certain standards. And that's sort of one of the main crux of this movie is that this school that they're at. Um, they, you know, they, they have a very specific curriculum, like curriculum standard. Like yeah. on the first day, they have their book, and they read this, and I'm like, oh my god, this is like, it made me think of like cinema sins, <laughs> or like, other people, like, like, or like tweets that I've seen where it's like, effects and design seven point five, <laughs> this thing eight point three, it, and it's like, it's oh my god, it it, it broke down because like first off uh, to illustrate, this was like a like a. Prep uh, boys prep school, yeah, preparatory boys school. I do believe it was like high school level, um, uh, kids, um, and they're they're in this first class with Mr. Keating, who's their English teacher, and they're learning about poetry. And as Joey was saying, like they're they're reading um, uh, Pritchard, I think is the guy's name that wrote this. Yeah, I don't know if this is real or not, but it's just I'm sure it's just for the movie. But the student named Pritchard, who literally broke down how to make a good poem in mathematical terms, like with a fucking graph, and it's like, does this guy have a soul? <laughs> like, did this guy have any sort of like feeling? It, was this AI? <laughs> this was AI before. AI. This was AI. Pritchard was AI before AI. And then he's just like, you know what, tear that out. They told everybody to tear it out. <laughs> and then the one kid, Cameron, who's like the like the rule follower, is like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, rip it out. Just this, the whole thing. <laughs> um, but in addition, and so obviously there's been, there's issues with administration sometimes, and, you know, 
that comes up. Um, got to give a shout out to Norman Lloyd, the late great Norman Lloyd, who we called him Emperor Palpatine, <laughs> Palpatine's nephew. He felt like um, he was related to Palpatine somehow. <laughs> he, who like he runs the school, and uh, dude, dude's a freaking legend though. Um, I swear to God, and he's a, he's always just like I hear you're doing some unconventional things, um, you know, in this in this class, um, but. In addition to that, there's of course students. Obviously, spoiler alert: there are students. What? I know. You just said that out Richard, loud. Yeah, Richard, <laughs> Richard has seen this movie more than once in this shot. <laughs> e- Ethan Hawke is in this. What? Ethan Hawke's in this too. And then the guy, a guy from The Good Wife, is in this. <laughs> Isn't he also in House? Or is that the? Is it a different guy? I know. Uh, I'm gonna look. Like the 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 kid that plays Neil, the actor kid, I think he's on House. You're probably you might be right. Am I right? Has and he's on a doctor show. I think it's uh, he was on House. Yes, yeah. that's right. He was a uh, Robert um, Robert Sean Leonard. I've never um, watched House in my life, but I knew that. I'm I'm no I knew people who were really in a House, and then who was um, and then. Josh Charles was on The Good Wife. That's that's where I remember him from. Which character was he? Uh, he's he's Knox. Oh, Overstreet. Oh, he has an interesting arc. <laughs> he is an interesting. But and then of course we said Ethan Hawke's in this. Um, he plays um, what's his character's Anderson, name? Anderson. Todd. Todd. Anderson. Todd. Yeah. And you know everybody has their own like you know, unique struggles and, and all that. Like, uh, with Todd, he's very shy. He's very shy and neglected. Yes. Yes. Um, and then, um, sorry, shit. And then I'm, I remember Neil, Neil with, um, with it. yeah, Neil, mm. uh, he, you know, his dad is like over, overly controlling, uh, like, Okay, this is the pathway that I have set for you because I worked my ass off to try to get you to this point. You are not deviating from this path. Pretty much, yeah. It's Kurtwood Smith, by the way. Yes, that's the that's the dad. Um, but yeah, and I would say, I would say that that's especially like really the you know some of the main main bits mm-hmm. really. Um, but again, and then they disc- they they. Oh, this teacher's really weird, unconventional, and they really grow to love this guy. Like, um, Keating. W- yeah. yeah, so, like, um, s- some of the kids in the class learn, specifically Neil, Todd, and a couple of the other guys. Um, Dalton. Is Dalton the one that wants to be called Nawanda, eventually? <laughs> <laughs> um, I gotta... I forget. <laughs> I just watched this movie. Well, it's been a couple days. It's been a couple. It's days. It's been a couple days. In fairness, somebody wa- somebody wants to be Nawanda, which seems like it's like, jeez, please. <laughs> but uh, that uh, that might be that character. But a couple of them, they they notice that uh, they find a picture of Keating because again, they find him unconventional, but they find him interesting and very different from all the other teachers. Like it was funny. They show like a little montage of all the other teachers, and all of them are very like. You know, do this, this, this. There, there, there's not a lot of like life in them. No, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's that there's that one teacher teaching Latin that we joked was like he's pre- he doesn't know Latin. <laughs> I, I'm like that is such horse shit. He does not know Latin. <laughs> I will say he does have a fun arc where he and Keating become like good friends, and so yeah, so that is that is a nice little bit in the movie. Like I, especially like when Ke- it was like Keating's last day and he's looking out the window and he sees him and he waves. Keating waves back. I'm right. like that was cool. Um, but they find out no. they look at they, like an old like yearbook and they use the you know, I love the line where it's like, most likely to be anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Mary Sue much? Is John Keating the most overpowered character in the Dead Poets universe? God damn it. I hope the sequel gives him some flaws. He's not a character. <laughs> the, the reboot with Ethan Hawke will make him even more of a Mary Sue. God damn it! Uh, no, but they find, he also, that uh, he was, um this group the dead poets society Mm. and so they're asking him like what is the dead poets and he he and the way he explains it is so much more like beautiful and lyrical than i could ever come up with because i don't even remember what he says but he he makes it seem so exciting just like this like we did this like we we dripped poetry from our tongues and we we like it was honey it was like it was honey and you know we did all the like he made it seem like it was an adventure like someone trying to get you into a book but like yes being really good at it and Mm -hmm. though i don't imagine he was inherently trying to sell it to them but the idea of it coming back was kind of cool so like um he left neil the like poetry book that was his that had like a little the little opening thing like must be read at every opening of dead poet society meetings and so um Neil Todd, who didn't initially want to, but Neil was like, "You gotta do it. You gotta do it." Yeah. Um, and then a bunch of the other guys, um, they all got together and formed the Dead Poet Society. And it was there that, like, their the their emotional state was expanded, truthfully, because like they were talking about poetry and what it meant to them. They were making their own poems. Um, just playing random music. I liked, I liked the one poem that the, what's the Nawanda guy, uh, did where like he's, he's got the saxophone and he's playing it horribly intentionally at first as he's reading the poem. Then eventually he starts playing it beautifully and it's like, wow, (laughs) like that was really good. And, and this is also like where they're like kind of doing a little self-discovery about themselves. Um, specifically Neil finds out that he wants to be an actor so that becomes his big thing and Knox uh he falls in love with this girl that uh is at a different school like a regular like public school and uh he who's already in a relationship but he's trying anything he can uh to to be with her um he does do some things that he shouldn't be doing he does apologize but still (laughs) Um, it's, like, come on. it's like, come on, my guy. Um, but, uh, you know, it sort of works out for him. And then some of the other guys are, you know, trying their own things. Um, there's the one kid who's kind of like Cameron, I think is, again, is his name. Uh, he's like the sort of rule follower, like sort of the, you know, like we have to do this guys. Yeah. Uh, then Nawanda, like he's the one that sort of immediately gets into it, but almost takes it too far. Yeah. Like even Ke- like even Keating's like both. It's funny how both these movies have a character like that, where the teacher has to be like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> like I just thought about that, but like you know, like Keating went up to him and was like, 
you know, it, it daring and stupid are like two different things, man. You know, though I did like at one point, it's like if uh, if if it was collect, it would be daring, <laughs> like the little like phone gag he pulled in the middle, of, like the the meeting or whatever for the with with the with the teacher. But they all they all effectively like grow a little bit as people, and um, because of their experiences with Keating, um, who's who's telling them, you know, the, the 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 classic phrase "carpe diem" seize the day, which I feel like a lot of yep. people will probably learn from this movie. Um, though it doesn't work out for some of them. Yeah. Um, which I feel like we should just kind of nip this one immediately in the bud because this is probably the most sad aspect of this movie. Yeah. So I just want to put a warning out there too, is because we're going to talk about self harm and suicide, and so just yeah, be warned. We're about to talk about that. Um, so again, Neil uh, wants to be an actor, but as as Joey illustrated, his father is very like, "You're going to do this and nothing else, and don't disrespect me in public. Don't do like he's he is kind of insanely like strict and controlling of Neil." And though Neil has these desires and things he wants to do, the idea of him do, even attempting to do them is terrifying. Yeah. So, you know, there's a play coming up for Mid- Midsummer Night's Dream, and he wants to be in it because there's an open casting call. And um, But he's absolutely terrified about doing it. And then Keating encourages him and says, talk to your father. You know, tell tell him what you told me and see what he says. But but also there is in fairness Keating doesn't understand just how how bad, how bad it is, um, so uh, he he ends up getting to do the play, and even after like sneaking around and doing the things that he had to do in order to work around his father, he you know was given permission to do the play, and he did it, and he was fantastic. He clearly loved the material. Clearly loved what he was doing. Um, it, like everyone, all of his friends, everyone in his class, Mr. Keating even, were all absolutely taken aback by Neil's performance as Puck in Midnummer Mid Midnummer Midsummer's Night Dream. So you, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then, like, he notices that his father, uh, who he didn't expect to show up, shows up to the play and stays there to the very end. And when when uh, Neil delivers the final monologue for Mid Midsummer's, you know it, the play, <laughs> Midsummer Night's Dream. Thank you. I don't know why I keep tripping on that. Um, it's okay. We said it once. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah. The the Shakespeare play with Puck in it, and there's yeah. it's the middle of the summer and it's nighttime and people are dreaming. That's what's going on. <laughs> um, when he delivers the monologue, he's staring directly at his father looking him dead in the eye and you almost like respect him for being able to like give that like same performance and do such a great job knowing that his father is looking at him like it almost feels like an act of rebellion against his father because he knows his father would disagree with it but he's doing it in front of him right and so this leads to his father being absolutely furious with neil Telling Keating off, even. After Keating was praising him for his performance, he was like, you stay away from my son, Keating. And he takes him back to 
their his house because you know obviously the boys prep school they're all staying at the school but it's like a boarding school um but uh they go back to neil's house like his actual house and his father's basically like we're pulling you from the school and we're sending you to military school because i don't like what you're doing this is not in line with what i've wanted for you and what i need you to do you're not doing anything else you're not acting anymore and neil tries to stand up for himself but he can't yeah he's too scared He's too frustrated. He doesn't know what to do. His mother's in tears because she doesn't know what to do. Because the dad's like basically taken over the whole place. And so that night, Neil, he ends things is the best way to put that. Um, and his father discovers Neil's body uh, with the smoking gun. Um in tears the mom in tears i'm in tears joey's in tears we're we're devastated by what we're seeing yeah and the worst part is the dad doesn't understand it was his fault or he had some play in that even or he 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 blames all of it on keating yeah and that that's what leads into um you know the students basically basically being forced to sign that oh yeah this this is what happened yeah um and forcing keating to leave um but i think about the the kurtwood smith character like the neil subplot and i think about that like from a modern respect like with like the jet i feel like there's a lot of generational trauma Mm -hmm. media out there lately and um i was thinking about that a lot with this because it was just like you have the dad who is very much like you need to do this and then they are like it's I, I see this it's like a story i see over and over again people are like well, why did my kid you know why does my kid talk to me anymore you know and they don't have that the self-awareness or they just refuse to mm-hmm. you know acknowledge um acknowledge things but um like the end of the like the first 90 minutes it's 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 so joyous and fun and you're just having such a good time, and then the last half hour, like somebody is like, "This is the most devastating experience of my life." <laughs> like seeing this, mm-hmm. um, everything play out, um, and but what's really lovely about it is is that the kids are able to really say that they know, you know, yeah. that, but, and that's that's really beautiful. Um, they get that final moment in the classroom when um, basically the dean of the of the preparatory school comes in and it's like. Palpatine's nephew. Palpatine's nephew um, is now teaching the class that Keating was teaching. Mr. Keating comes back so he can get his personal stuff and uh, so he can just officially leave the school. And all of them, especially Todd, who who initiates the whole thing, the shy guy who has the heart of a poet. Like there's that beautiful scene earlier in the sh- earlier in the movie when um, Todd he did write something but he was way too shy and way too hard on himself to to come forward and read it and so keating is like all right close your eyes or like you know, look at this picture of walt whitman yeah um what does he look like to you and so he starts describing him as like a sweaty tooth madman and then he's like close and he's like close your eyes now describe it tell me the scene and so he basically blurts out this poem that is like it's insane it's wonderful you're like 
I feel like Ethan Hawke would actually have made that up on the spot, actually. I feel like he's that good, honestly. <laughs> we were also talking about this, too, um, that we feel like if they did a, like a re- like a remake of this um, or new adaptation, that Ethan Hawke would be the Robin Williams he, he, character. He'd be so perfect for that, I think. Because um, he is one of those guys, I was saying this, like, I love listening to him in interviews, talking about things, um, like whether it's like, you know, just art and stuff in general. Um, like when he was talking about superhero movies too, a while ago, that was a pretty cool, um, yeah. pretty nice approach to things. But also I really enjoyed his, yes, boyhood, his stuff when he was talking about boyhood, mm-hmm. the process of that. He's just a fascinating guy to listen to. General, genuinely. To yeah, say. he is. Um, um, but we get that final moment at, after all is said and done. And, um, Keating's walking out. Todd stands up and is like, it's not our fault. They made us do it. And then, like, the the Dean's like, sit down, Mr. Anderson. <gasps> Matrix. Um, <laughs> uh, and so, eventually, Todd stands on his desk and he says, oh, Captain, my Captain. Which is what Keating, like, jo- like, like jokingly said, you know, you can call me, you can call me Keating, you can call me Mr. Keating, or, you can, or if you're feeling daring, you can call me Oh, Captain, my Captain. So, like, like everyone, like all everyone in the Dead Poets Society called him Captain, basically. Yep. And so, like, that was pretty cool. Like, that just shows again that you have that, like, you know, connection with your teacher and how much they mean to you. That like, you would just like, you know, you get like they go with the nickname. Like, sure, let's call him Captain. Yeah, it's 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 really nice. Um, but this. Uh... It's a really, it's a really great, I was reminded, this is a really great movie. It's in, um, yeah. Ter- like, terrific performances. Again, like, because obviously Robin Williams is, is is a standout, and obviously we love Ethan Hawke here, but, like, Rob Robert Sean Leonard is so damn good in this movie. And, like, I feel like he's like almost the key to the movie, really. Like I think he, so, yeah. He, he, if he doesn't, if that doesn't work, I think the movie, movie kind of falls apart. Like, if you're not feeling that, like, if it doesn't get you, mm. like, obviously you want to have, like, the teacher, like, the likable, te- be believable, and all the, like, but that character is so, it's so important. Um, but I wanted to look, I was talking, I was looking at this, because obviously it, it got very good reviews, nominated for Academy Awards, won for screenplay. Deservedly um, so. There was, it. it's, it's in the, it's the fifth highest grossing movie of 1989 <laughs> would you would you like to know the top 10 of 1989 i really i quick. i have a feeling i know at least two of them but tell me all right all right number 10 born of the fourth of july number nine ghostbusters 2 okay number eight honey i shrunk the kids yeah. number seven lethal weapon 2 yeah. six the little mermaid yep five dead poet society four look who's talking three Shout out to Wikey. Back to the Future Part 2. Mm-hmm. Um, Batman is number two. And number one, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I knew that was the one and two are the ones I knew. <laughs> now, a lot of those movies, they make sense. Like, especially in like, like, sequ- es- like, especially like modern context, I would argue, too. Yeah, like sequels, sequels of popular things. That makes sense. But like something like Born on the Fourth of July, Dead po- like Dead Poet Society... The fact that that's top five worldwide grocers, it doesn't happen anymore. It doesn't. That doesn't happen because Dead Poet Society, if it were made today, 
would be a streaming would be a streaming movie or would be in theaters for like <sighs> yeah. two weeks. Yeah. You know. Are you okay? No, I was just yeah, I was just good. thinking about that. Yeah. Just um but it's uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, on a budget of like sixteen million dollars, made two thirty five worldwide, which is amazing, amazing return. Uh, there was also an off Broadway um, play version of it oh, with nice. Jason Sudeikis as John Keating. That's awesome. That's really good. I would would have been curious to see that, especially after you watch Ted Lasso. I imagine. Yeah. He does kind of give like Keating vibes in Ted from like the little clips I've seen, right? A little bit, a very, um, very, uh, very goofy. You know? <laughs> um, it's definitely, I, I definitely recommend the first two seasons of of that show. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, ultimately, we're both in agreement. This is a fan. This is a, a fantastic movie. Um, you know, it's. I think it really just beautifully portrays like you know when you have a great teacher like the impact that it can have on um they have on their students yeah um and just the important like the importance of that because and the importance of art because you know because there are people who go to school for certain things they go why do i have to learn that why do i have to take this class if i'm going for this major or or something right like you know and it's like you know because listen yes all these pursuits are important but you don't just want to survive you want to live. You want to. You know. You want to actually have an experience. You know, like I like. I loved when Keating said, "We don't read and write poetry because it's cute. We read and we write poetry because we're members of the human race." Yeah, yeah. And I thought that that alone, I think, perfectly describes, you know, why like even a subject you don't think is important is important. And fun fact. I remember um, in my in that English class where I watched this movie, um, we were talking about because we was we learned about like Whitman, we learned about uh, Thoreau and Jack Kerouac and you know all kinds of different people, and uh, I I wrote poetry when I was a youngin, and I have in my hand, oh yes, my old poetry book. So if if you'll indulge me. For this half, I'll read you a poem from my poetry book. Um, let's see. You know what? This is relevant to our next movie. So, as well. So, I'll read this one. Alright. Um, it's not titled. But that's okay. <laughs> I know what it is. Untitled poem. Alright, here we go. Roar. Loud roar, the noise from the crowd, shaking stage, man-made earthquake. Next up, Freak Like Me, the next band up. Five members, Ace, Duke, Sloan, Frank, Jared, aspiring musicians. All confident, confident for power, the power of rock. All confident, minus one, Duke. The Beatmaster, the Little Drummer Boy, Paranoid. Fear of embarrassment. He feels loss. Loss of the beat. A beat that lives in his fingertips, shouting paranoia. But, through teamwork, confidence. The killer of paranoia. Five minutes until the magic, the power, the excitement 
rock and roll. For this band, music is religion. Nothing else matters, mainly now, as the newest lords, lords of rock, exit backstage. Noise. A small noise. Blocked by the human quake. Radio. Hold on. Sorry, I just want to make sure. Okay, I just want to make sure I can see my noise levels. <gasps> radio. Sound from the radio. Alert! 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 Tornado warning. Band ignores. Too psyched. Too pumped. Pumping rock through their veins. Hearts shaped like notes. Human quake continues. Rockers rock. The crowd warped. Warped into a world. This band's world. Out of nowhere. The quake rises. The quake rises. <laughs> Not by man. Mother nature. The club roof ripped away. Winds gusting. Walls cracking. Regardless. Rockers rock. One by one. Crowd flies. In parentheses. Literally. Tornado devours. Rockers rock. Tornado destroys. Rockers rock. Flying shards. Rockers Storm lasts two hours max. First gig, same time. Last gig, same place. R.I.P. They died rocking. From rock peasants to rock lords to rock gods. And that's it. <laughs> I wrote that when I was 17. Oh, you're really 17. Oh, sweet. No, no, no. <laughs> what? <Gross>. No. What? <laughs> I take back all of my applause and my genuine reaction. God damn you. <laughs> but no. I wrote that. Thank you. I I uh I just I liked doing it. You know, I don't I don't know how good I was, but I actually remember um at a local coffee shop they did, which I don't think is there anymore. Now that I'm thinking about it. Oh, I'm old. Um Hmm. Uh, we used to do poetry readings uh, at this coffee shop, and I read that at the poetry reading. And I remember people going, Ugh. "Like it was one of the first times I like people like were reacting to something I wrote or some sort of art that I made." It felt good, <laughs> right? Like I remember, like my, my teacher came up to me, who's also like it was like in a rock band. Like he came up to me and he was like, "You have no idea how often that's happened." <laughs> <laughs> or like something similar to that but um but yeah so there you go little 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 poetry from dude one i have nothing to offer in that department but i will say we're gonna take a brief intermission <laughs> uh when we uh when we come back we're gonna go on a field trip with educational value <laughs> with a, is it with a temp a sub oh dude a uh, sub. I, I'm, so, I, I'm sorry i'm sorry i didn't mean it a, sub, a, man, a sub there <laughs> is a difference he is almost getting he almost has his, <laughs> his teacher's cert okay it's very important stay tuned
tried to sound really rock and roll for that one. Hopefully that translated. I don't know. They all kind of sound that like that, so I guess it was pointless to try. If we do like a rock version of our theme song. <laughs> Welcome back to the show, everybody. <laughs> um, uh, we we neglected to mention this in in the first. Uh, yes, so, yes, yeah, we did. You know, we like to t- like take a moment to remember folks um, uh, when they've passed. Um, and you know, again, this is this is going to come out like later in August. So, like by the time you've already heard about yeah both of these people, um. But uh, I want to start on my end. It's sort of like a dude one and dude two kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, where it's, uh, but both of them have appeared on our show mm-hmm. for different reasons. Um, one I want to mention is Carl, the late Carl Davis. Uh, he passed away. Um, Carl Davis uh, was a was a music composer. Um, I think I know he's done actual like major movies like. Um, there's that Meryl Streep movie, The French Lieutenant's Wife. Oh, okay. I think he did this, the score for that. Um, but most importantly, especially if you're a silent film fan, you know him because he's done so many scores. Uh, and a lot of the time with like restorations done by Kevin Brownlow and David in late in the late David Gill. Um, and he's one of those people who is like, if you're a silent film fan, he is one of your heroes. And he certainly he certainly is one of mine. Um, and he's appeared in our show because he did the score for the version of the Lon Chaney fandom that I showed Richard and Allison when we did back when we did that episode. Oh, um, so that score, and I have that. I love that score so much. I bought the out of print CD. I have it. I have his uh, re-recording of the Chaplin City Lights score on CD. I have his score for Napoleon, which is fucking legendary. Um, really great and also too there's a great it was a great series called hollywood and it's about like the silent era mm. his theme music for holly uh, for hollywood um i when when i was like using copyrighted stuff for my youtube channel that was like my silent film saturday <laughs> intro and uh if i ever do a silent film saturday reboot i would want something inspired by carl davis his work is incredible i was watching safety last um recently and his work on safety last is incredible i think he has an interview on the safety last criterion blu-ray uh where he talks about like scoring silent films Mm -hmm. um and he actually he actually followed his his website followed me on twitter i remember i was like oh my god he followed you know uh and i was such an admirer of of his work and uh you know thoughts thoughts and prayers out to his his family and friends and um the other guy we're going to talk about we actually recently talked about probably the the movie most people know him for on our show for our anniversary episode our th- our 3 year anniversary episode and it was a movie that Joey really discovered his friend uh, <laughs> it's true um so now he knows Gifford really well uh, <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. I didn't want to stand by me what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> Are you saying Gifford would come up to you and say, hey, Joe, want to see a dead body? <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I love you, Gifford. Um, yes. But uh, but no, it is. it, it, it was about me, really. Um, and uh, that actor is Paul 
Rubens. You may you may have heard of him, but you probably know him most as Pee Wee Herman. Um, he, uh, you know, he was Pee Wee Herman for so many people, but there's also this other branch of him uh, in his performances where he was a character actor, and he uh, played in so many different movies, and he was always a highlight in each of those films, like. You know, I like you know I'm a Batman fan, so I think about how he plays uh, the Penguin's dad, uh, Mr. Cobblepot. I guess I don't know his first name is, but Mr. Pee Wee Cobblepot. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, um, but which was funny too because he ended up playing um, the Penguin's dad again in the Gotham show, which was really funny. It's like a nice like callback to that role. But he had, but he actually got like a little bit more to do as opposed to just like standing there and being like upset that his kid was the penguin um but uh, uh and he's been it's like I, I i remember you know there's a movie called mystery men that i love so much and i want to get on the show um and uh he plays probably the best character in the whole thing um i won't i don't want to talk too much about it because i, I want to save that for if or when we do that uh for for the show but he's so funny in that um and then, uh, I mean, and, and it, it has to be mentioned too. He has, you know, his controversies that he dealt with in his life. Um, I, you know, look it up. You know, you look it up yourself. I'm not going to get into it. But um, I will say, uh, as a performer, um, he gave so much, and he, you know, obviously, the Pee Wee character, Pee Wee Herman's legendary. Is so funny, even. In, uh, when he came back as the character for like revival performances and he did a new Broadway show um, I showed Joey a clip of some things that he did that was so funny like the deep fat fryer bit for yep. snack time making onion rings um, <laughs> um, or like uh, the little skit on Saturday Night Live with Andy Samberg where <laughs> he hits Anderson Cooper and a cop the exact same way oh Anderson here's a headline poof um um yeah yeah but but also like for joey he uh you know you can say you can yeah yeah so he also voiced if you ever are familiar with star tours the original version of star tours um for those of you don't remember before because today c3po is your pilot on star tours which is cool to hear to anthony daniels but before then it was uh, Paul Rubens as Captain Rex. No, I'm not talking about the clone. I'm talking about <laughs> RX uh, RX24, um, RX24, and uh, who always was just like, uh, you know, this is welcome to if this is your first flight, and you know it's mine too. And he always had like this. He's like, like whoa, and it's like such a fun. And it was also like as a kid because I'd watch I'd watch Star Wars, but like Star Tours really was like. That was your Star Wars really bro- for a little. It was my Star Wars, really. Yeah. And I remember, I have so many memories of, like, in, like, you know, uh, in the early 2000s, ever just being at Hollywood Studios at night, going on Star Tours, like, on, like, going on, like, <laughs> ten times in a row. Yeah. Like, because I could go on rides by myself. My mom didn't want to go. I had nothing to do with it, which is understandable, because mm-hmm. it's a motion simulator. Oh, yeah. Um, um, or, like, she might, she might have gone once or twice. Um, the new one, she definitely doesn't do, but... It, it was just like one of those things where it was like it, he was a fixture of it, and they have a reference to him in the queue now. But also, if you go to Galaxy's Edge, you can hear Paul Rubens as 
DJ Rex. Now he's been modified as a DJ at the at Oga's Cantina. Um, so I think it's safe to say that like Paul Rubens was also a big reason why I'm a Star Wars fan. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I know I'm not alone in that. So mm-hmm. uh, he'll always have well. Be, me being a Star Wars fan has its issues. Um, but <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot. No, and you know, um, but he will he'll be missed, and he's such such a unique performer. Such unique, obviously. such unique performer, and um, you know, uh, obviously great character actor, great voice actor. You know, on that same note as well. Um, and if it wasn't for him, Joey wouldn't know me. <laughs> or truly truly know me. Know me. Um, truly. Now this is the second half of that narrative. So speaking um, of truly knowing me. Truly knowing you. This is um I'm just gonna jump right into it. This is the two thousand three Richard Linklater uh Mike White written film <laughs> uh School of Rock, a Richard Purnell story. <laughs> or the hypothetical scenario of uh, what I would do if I was a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> and I, like I, I believe ninety percent of everything in this movie that would happen would happen. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't deny it. Honestly, <laughs> this this movie is a movie I have always had fond memories of. I'm sure you have. Mm-hmm. You saw this in theaters. I did not see this one in theaters. I, it was oh, like, wow. like it took a second for me to like come to the see this one. But, like, I remember it became a huge thing. It was a big uh, movie. So many... Like, this movie, for so many people, I guarantee you, is probably their favorite movie. You know, it's... I'm sure that's... I'm sure that's true. Like, Letterboxd came out with, like, a list of, like, movies that are not necessarily the highest... But there's a lot of high-rated movies, but, like, movies that people put as, like, in their, like, top four favorites. And School of Rock, I'm sure if you just ask a bunch of random people, I'm sure that would come up a bunch of times. With Without question. Oddly enough, yeah. I think for me, what led me to watch the movie was when I became a fan of Jack Black as a musician. Because, mm. like, I mean, I've always loved Jack Black as an actor. I mean, you know, as a, he's so funny, obviously. He's so energetic. You know, he's, he's he, he brings that rock star energy to his comedy. So like like obviously you watch Tropic Thunder, which you know we talked about on the show, and uh, uh, his character is absolutely Jeff Portnoy is on edge all the time <laughs> because he's he, you know he's going through withdrawal of you know doing cocaine and heroin and all kinds of drugs or jelly beans. Sorry, he 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 likes his jelly beans. It's, not, it's jelly beans. It's just, stop it. <laughs> it's jelly beans. See, once a day, I just, I just um, go through my mind with a tra- trailer. Jeff Portnoy, Jeff Portnoy, and Jeff Portnoy, and Jeff Portnoy. <laughs> but also in some, too, like, in um, some countries, about... it's considered a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I think about in, um, you know, because uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie, Bowser he plays Bowser, and it's very much like a, like a meat, almost like a meatloaf. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, <laughs> I would do anything for love. <laughs> Peach, understand. Um, but no, like I became a fan of Jack Black, but um, through Tenacious D. Which if you if you don't know what Tenacious D is, first off, 
you're in for you're in for an interesting time. <laughs> um, but uh, second off, uh, it's always fun when you hear about like other things that like actors or like I guess celebrities do. Um, like you know, it's like oh wait, Keanu Reeves plays bass or plays guitar for a band called Dog Star. What? That's insane. Um, but uh, but for Jack Black, funny enough, like I think he was a musician first before he was like the the actor, and so like he and Kyle Gass made Tenacious D. But their whole shtick is that they play like genuinely well produced metal music uh, with like the the sort of key instrument being an acoustic guitar that they both play, um, but also like. It's the the songs that they sing are like very silly, <laughs> and sometimes a little, and all, almost all the times very R rated. But they like it's and I, I it's similar to like when I mentioned earlier with Haunted Mansion that I like horror movies made for a younger audience. I love when there's like something that's so beautifully produced, like but it is inherently silly. So, like, when I think of Tenacious D, it's, like, the music itself is outstanding. Like, if you just listen to the music without hearing the lyrics, you think you're just hearing this amazing piece of metal music. But then you hear the lyrics, and it... For some people, it might be like, what? Yeah. What? What is this? But then, like, for every for everybody else, it's like... Uh, for me, at least, it's like, this makes it infinitely better. <laughs> yes. So, like, um, fun fact, uh, the Daniels, Oscar winners... Uh, for everything ever all at once directed a music video for tenacious d uh, uh rise of the phoenix check it out on youtube um but uh i i became a fan of him through that and then um that led me obviously like well now i gotta watch school of rock you know yeah. because like you know you look at a lot of the jack black films that are out there and you know, he's made a lot of great movies but this one just inherently feels like it was made for him which turns out Mike White wrote this part for Jack Black, so it makes sense. <laughs> um, I want to give a little background. Like, I, th- I, when I think of this movie, I think of Nickelodeon because I feel like, I feel like this played. I, I might be misremembered, but I feel like this played a lot on Nickelodeon. You know what's which is kind of funny? Yeah, you know what's funny? I don't know if you're about to say this, but there's actually like a show on Nickelodeon that's an adaptation of the movie. But that that's why yeah. I was trying to like. Because I remember seeing this on TV a lot, and I remember it being marketed very. It felt, if, at least from what I remember as a kid, it felt like it was more. Mar- it was marketed as a kid's movie. Yeah. Um, and I saw this. I was like ten years old. Was this was two that was two thousand three. I think this, yeah. This came out, but like two thousand three, I, I saw this in the. I saw it in theaters. I really liked it as a kid, and I was like, hey, it's on Nickelodeon. I'll watch it. Hey, it's on Nickelodeon again. <laughs> you know, so like when I was watching it this time, this is the first time I'd seen it in quite a while. Like hearing some of the language in the movie was definitely like, oh boy. And I'm like, oh yeah, this is a P- this is a PG-13 movie. <laughs> um, yeah. But, but and I also think about the Nickelodeon angle too, because, you know, again, we have Jack Black, of course, is a big name, mm-hmm. but we have Miranda Cosgrove. Hi, Carly. In iCarly herself, and she became a big Nickelodeon staple, mm-hmm. you know. And um, or our for for older audiences, Megan. Yes, yeah. <laughs> we'll throw that one out there too. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but 
it is it is kind of crazy you know what i think is sort of funny to watch it now is also because the fact that richard linklater feels more like because like he's got movies in the criterion collection you know days of confused the born the the before trilogy boyhood like i don't inherently think of richard linklater as the kind of guy that makes like i guess a commercial movie which is kind of what this feels like that you know what then that's like kind of funny to me too is that like this is um you're right like this is this is a movie that like i don't want to say regular people because that's <laughs> yeah but yeah like, people who are not us yes would know what this movie is and enjoy, would enjoy this movie. It, in, 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 a, in a certain respect it feels like to to make a modern comparison barbie mm, because like right. you know greta gerwig she makes these two films that you know like feel like like with with Richard Linklater like a before trilogy, a boyhood situation, but then like you know Greta Gerwig makes this clearly this like commercial, sort of blockbuster situation type movie with Barbie, but again adds her own, her own self into it and makes it so much more. And I think the exact same thing could be said for this one because it doesn't because it's funny because like how often especially when you see the trailers and how it was marketed and how you know obviously people have such affection for it but then when you watch it you realize even from just the opening credits and how they're handled this is clearly like not your typical kind it feels like a real movie like (laughs) yeah 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 it's it's like you know it's it doesn't it's not overproduced you know it's um and obviously the opening credits i'm like oh this is not like a nickelodeon no. ori- this must be like a nickelodeon original I, I, uh yeah movie. i love i love how the opening credits go because it's basically this oneer that leads to the stage uh where we meet yeah. jack black's character dewey finn and basically how they show like paramount pictures presents is they have like literally like a patch on a guy's jacket not like a imposed or a cgi no. after effect it's literally just it's a, literally like a yeah. leather jacket that says you know paramount pictures presents and then he walks into into camera into frame and then uh you see um the producer scott rudin <sighs> um <laughs> um and then you see like a poster for jack black which is really cool and then yeah. the door opens and it's a neon sign that says school of rock and it's like then it goes to like regular credits but it's like really cool how they play that out initially it is. Yeah. Uh, I also want to mention the other big create. We link later. We mentioned Jack Black. I want to t- t- talk a second. Mike White, White <laughs> Which, Lotus. Mike jo- White. Joey has listen. He's become a White Lotus guy after watching the seasons. Because uh, there's only two, right? There's only two at the moment. Yeah. He, there are, is going to be a third one. Which I'm just like get uh, once the strike is done and you know get get. Joan Cusack and Jack Black to be in White, White Lotus, Lotus season, season three. three. <laughs> Please, um, Mike White, if you happen to listen to this show in any way, uh, if you hi, by the way, if you are, um, but uh, yes, as Joey said, Jack Black, Joan Cusack, make it happen. Um, and also really funny too because he's also in the movie uh, <laughs> as as Jack Black's like more responsible. Uh, but also like kind of wimpy. Welcome back. Yeah, doormat. Ned uh, Ned Schneebly is his name. (laughs) Ned (laughs) Schneebly or Schneeble. 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 It's like the difference Um, between bubble and buble. 
<laughs> Pretty much. Um, but, yeah, like, basically, the gist of it, like, Jack Black is his character, to put it, to put it bluntly, he's kind of a loser yeah. at this point. And he's, you know... He's, he's egotistical. He's got kicked out of his band. He's behind on, on his portion of the rent. Sarah Silverman is he, angry at him. He's mooching off of Ned, and he admits it. <laughs> he admits it, yes. <laughs> I've been mooching that off you for so... years, and you're just now having a problem? Um, so you admit that. So he's got to figure out a way. He's got to make some money. And this phone call happens, and he's like, wait a minute. I could be a substitute. I could be a substitute teacher, which he was previously grilling um, Ned, teasing Ned about. <laughs> oh Jesus! Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ! No, is that who put his shirt on it? Yes. <laughs> see what? I scare you? See, my ears are so muffled from these headphones. I I saw nothing. I heard nothing. <laughs> Look at Joe's face. <laughs> Good one. That was a good one. And, no, but the funny Listen, thing is, I thought I you were you. hearing her. Or no, I, I heard and saw nothing. <laughs> that is This insane. is the Browns called, and they want the both of you to get offline because the power's out at the stadium and they can't finish the game, and I think it's because you guys are on the internet. Well, you know what? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I scare you. I'm sorry. You're okay. <laughs> I didn't... Who put a shirt on it? Who put a shirt on it? <laughs> Bye. The button's on the right side. Is the button on the right side? No, who buttoned it wrong? <laughs> <laughs> um, but but point point being, Jack Black. Yeah, you scaring um, me was definitely recorded, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure Joey's gonna keep it in. <laughs> the moment his the moment I saw that face, the was the moment I knew you were keeping it. In. <laughs> Listen, man, it's fun. It's so much fun. <laughs> Folks, I hope you enjoy all of this. Just, this is hilarious. Just for context, I, I have I'm using different headphones right now because my previous ones are made made it sound like I was underwater, according to Joey. And they, these new ones muffle my ears, and so I'm completely like shut off. So all I hear is Joey, and my head's blocking my door. So I can't see if anyone's coming in. So then I, I feel my mother. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Open the door. Get on the, Get floor. On the floor. Tina's come to scare you. Stop mooching off of Ned. <laughs> but no, we're talking about Ned Schneebly and how Dewey Finn makes fun of him for being a, a substitute teacher and calls him a temp. <laughs> and uh, it's a sub. It's a sub. Okay, so he finds out, oh, $650 a week? Which... <laughs> Listen, whoa. <laughs> that's listen. That's pretty good for that time period. <laughs> for that time period, because I think you know, my, in my area, it was I was hearing somebody. It's like it was like eighty five dollars a day for the longest time, which maybe back twenty years ago was okay, but you know, we're like in the twenty tens. In the twenty tens, that's like Ooh, disgusting. That's bad. No, um, um, but no, just to just but, but just to clarify. Um, uh, this prep school, another prep school, this time run by Joan Cusack, not yep. Palpatine's nephew. Um, she, <laughs> um, she calls, um, to, to book, to possibly book a, uh, a substitute, uh, teaching job for Ned Schneebly, 
uh, for the time being because the previous teacher's out sick or is hurt or something. I don't know. I don't remember what they said. Um, and Dewey answers the phone and pre- and here's how much money it makes knowing he owes his friend money who he's going to steal a job from and pretend to be him. Um, it says, hello, this is Ned Schneebly. <laughs> and so he takes the job and becomes a substitute teacher at this prep school under the guise of Ned Schneebly. Yeah. Just to, just so to clarify. Think, they think, oh, this person's highly recommended, and it's Jack Black. <laughs> it's Jack Black. What's so funny, though, is when we first see him, he's got his like his classic hairstyle that he's got. He's got a beard. But then when we see him, <laughs> when we see him he's shaved, and he's got like Elvis sideburns. <laughs> little more, little more cleaned up. Um, but it's, and so obviously he shakes things up and like, there's there's a certain point. Like, like he gets there and he's just like, I'm going to just chill. I'm not going to make, take this seriously. I don't care. I'm just getting money and that's it. But basic, but also he also wants to be in the battle of the bands. And this coincides when he also sees these kids in music class and he's like playing more, more classical instruments and so he has a brain blast to <laughs> another Nickelodeon show Jimmy <laughs> Richard that's the 12th time you discussed Michael Keaton's Batman this week ooh ducks <laughs> <laughs> I love some pie Jimbo <laughs> terrible <laughs> well Jimmy it's for your presentation <laughs> <laughs> but but so anyway and he gets a brain blast and he's like okay he basically as uh, the nick fury of his own band and assembles the class to be different parts of a band or people who work alongside the band so he's like okay you're gonna do he found okay you just be the keyboard and you're the drummer find, like, you're the guitarist classical, a cl- a classical equivalents and then for people who don't play those in, don't play those instruments like okay can you sing you get gets people to sing gets people to design costumes lighting security groupies groupie groupies <laughs> roadies yes roadies he gets um, he gets the whole band together now he does initially do this from a very selfish standpoint yeah because he he gets kicked out of his own band as Joey said and he and he's an egotist, truthfully, when you when we first meet him, because he's like, I I'm all about the passion, the rock, you know. And uh, but like, he's basically seeing these kids, and instead of going, oh my god, they're amazing, he immediately goes, I could win Battle of the Bands with these like progenies, <laughs> and, and so he basically forms this band. Initially, he doesn't even give anyone else jobs; he just gives like the main like band members. And it's like, we're going to play the song I wrote about how people are forcing me to pay rent and I got kicked out of a band. Screw them. This song is hardcore. So you're not hardcore. So you're not hardcore. You know, that whole thing. But, you know, as time goes on, he forms a bond with these kids. The kids love, you know, going to his, going to his class and, you know, doing, uh, doing all these things. And 
again, he lies about, like, okay, we're going to face other classes. You can't tell anybody. It's super susp- like. Can we tell our can, hush, hush. can we tell our parents? No! <laughs> no! <laughs> um, but, you know, eventually, eventually, it comes, it comes to a point where it, the, the, the jig is up, as they say. They find out. But what's great about it is, like, okay, this is always, like, the liars reveal thing in, like, there's, like, that trope yeah. where it's, like, they've been lying and it's, like, such a devastating thing. And in this movie, it's, it's, I think it works better here than in most movies because the kids are just, like, yeah, we still got to do the band. <laughs> we still, still got to do the show. We weren't put all this work in. <laughs> like, this, this, we're not going to just waste our time here. Or, or, like, there's, like, the apology scene where he's, like, apologizing to the kid. No, we don't have time. We gotta get to the show. What are you doing, Schneebly? Whatever your name is. <laughs> Shut up, Schneebly. You're tacky and I hate um, you. <laughs> and it also, I like about it, too, like, when they do the show and everybody loves them, but it has, like, a rocky sort of ending. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't win, but but they also win in another way. They, they win because they rocked. Exactly. Like the band, yes. the band that won Battle of the Bands was the band Dewey was in, but it didn't matter because even everyone in the crowd was like, "Stupid!" But then you had that one guy's like, "Yeah, no vacancy, yeah!" But then it's like one guy, <laughs> one guy, and then everyone's thank you, one person. School rock. Um, but this movie is is a lot of fun. It is. It's. We were just dying at, at so many. Um, at so many scenes in this movie, I just love Mike White's expression. It just doesn't change very much. I like like the whole time he's either. I'm sorry. What are you doing, Ned? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! School of Rock. It's so funny. It's so good. Um, uh, Joan Cusack in this movie as principal. <laughs> I I love at the end of the movie when she goes backstage to talk to the kids and she's like, that was incredible. And he's like, so you're not mad? I'm furious, but that was so good. I, I also, I, I just love what we're it's like, I just found out your kids are missing. <laughs> <laughs> or like the bit, uh, in that same scene, in this, in the scene early, uh, when she's like complimenting the performance and like one of the band members is like hitting on her <laughs> and he's like, are you with one of the bands? <laughs> uh, excuse me? Are you, are, are you playing music or, you know, and he's got a tattoo that says sex. <laughs> and she's like, I am a principal of a school. Right on. Right on. You're hot. What? What? Is, are you warm? <laughs> But it, it, it's it's so good. Um, the kid the kids are great. You know they're they're you know what, they're fun what, in the movie. What I love about the kids, and I think this this is a tribute to um, to Richard Linklater because he does like to do because like I feel like a lot of his movies have something about them that make them unique to the experience or something like you know we talk about Boyhood. I might not be a fan, but I can appreciate the method and how that was made. Um, or, you know, even like the before trilogy and how it's like, it's literally just two people talking for like an hour and a half, but Mm -hmm. somehow it's compelling. Yeah. Um, for this movie, like the sort of, uh, the thing that makes it stand out from maybe other movies like it is that 
all of the kids can actually play those instruments. That's cool. Like every single every single kid that plays an instrument were actually playing. Um, I mean, obviously Jack Black, he's a musician, so he obviously is playing as well. But like, it's that's kind of cool. And they actually, um, what I think is really cool too, when they did the Broadway show with Alex Brightman, who you know plays Beetlejuice on Broadway, um, uh, the Andrew Lloyd Webber show, uh, they did the exact same thing. So all the kids in the Broadway show all played those instruments for real. That's pretty cool. So that was kind of a cool thing to learn, like after the fact, like because you don't because you're not thinking about it initially, but it makes the movie that no. much cooler when you're watching it. You're yeah. Like these kids are actually so like you can actually get like great close up shots of like the kid playing Zach Mooneyham like actually like ripping on the guitar. Yeah, and like obviously like they probably had to do some like sound thing later to like make it sound better because like you know you can only get so much. But there's at least like an authenticity. Um... Yeah to what's going on but it, the kids are also just so funny like one kid goes uh miss mullins miss mullins you're the man <laughs> you're the man miss mullins and she's like thank you and they're all like <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is so funny because it it is like like i was saying to you like i always think of it as like this nickelodeon kind of thing and obviously there's the, the tv show and you know obviously the, the story is a lot of it is about kids mm-hmm. and it's just so funny, like it's like, you know, they talk like they, like the cursing, like the ass assignment, <laughs> kick some ass, and if you wanna be the teacher's pet, yes, <laughs> which is um, also just a great song, by the way. Yeah. Yes, abso- absolutely. Um, and I also want to bring this up too, because both the other one was inspired by, um, the screenwriters, um, uh, screenwriters teacher. With this, it's uh, part uh, inspired because Mike White was um, in, interested in the Langley School uh, music project, mm-hmm. um, and so you know that was that's a big um, factor in that. Uh, obviously, you know, you know what, you know what I think. Not to cut you off, but like one thing I think is really cool about the movie in the way that, like, because like with the first movie we're dealing with poetry and how that enlightens the, the characters and how they're sort of opened up a little bit more. I like that, like, rock and roll, which no one would maybe, like, inherently think is something that could be educational or teach you something or enrich your life, maybe, is used to literally enrich all of these kids' lives. Like, you know, each one of the kids in the movie, like, you know, obviously they're all super talented, you know, singers, drummers guitarists uh lawrence on the keyboard you know you know you don't inherently think like obviously piano and and guitar and all these instruments you know is it's great to learn but when you apply it to this particular kind of music which is which is seen as like chaotic and 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 intense and understandably so uh it's just it's so cool to actually see rock and roll like put on that sort of like pedestal and actually yeah. like be used as a tool to like teach these kids and actually enrich their lives. And so that's, that's something I thought was actually like really cool. And it showed that, you know, like a subject like that could be actually like exciting, you know, and something, yeah. something worth learning. And so 
it's it's just it's just really cool like 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 to compare the two movies real quick like not that i'm trying to jump all the way to the end here but just the fact that like poetry makes sense but like rock and roll maybe doesn't as much but both of them had the same effect and it's it's kind of amazing Honestly. But it's also like you know, kind of like the other ones, like like you know about free free thinking, yeah. Or and this is like expressing expressing yourself because it's also like when you're a kid, you know, there's such a limited thing, like limited things that you can do to like express yourself. You know, you're still with your parents, and you know, you still haven't fully figured your, yourself out yet. Yeah. Um, and then people are also worried that's like, oh, we don't want them thinking for themselves at such a young at such a young age. Um. And it's like, well, you know, if you want these people to, you know, as the people sometimes like productive members of society, you got to have some. <laughs> to be know, the mayor's assistant. Hello. I am the mayor's assistant, Dewey. <laughs> yeah, you got to be, you got to grow up to be a mayor's assistant uh, all over America, folks. Uh, that's, <laughs> that is the, the most coveted job. <laughs> like everybody's trying to get it. It's sad. Neither Joey or I have gotten it, but we've come close. <laughs> to be the mayor's assistant. No, actually, I was on the president's council on the invi- the advisory board for um, mayor's assistants, and uh, it was quite an esteemed group. Uh, we had a fascinating talk, and um, yeah, I got a birthday card from the mayor once. <laughs> I did. I that that is a tr- patting, patting your head. that is a true story. <laughs> cool story bro um <laughs> but uh it also just like like yeah there's like silly hijinks like you know obviously they're going on like their field trip and they have a recording of uh jack black teaching about columbus sailing the ocean <laughs> and, blue. and what were the names of the ships <laughs> the nina the pinta and they go santa marina and i know some people go santa marina Instead of Santa Santa Maria, uh, so that's kind of that's kind of amusing. Uh, but I was also was, this is also filmed in some of it in uh, Rahway, New Jersey. Uh, I got to give a shout out to New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, I was definitely getting getting that uh, get sort of that some of that vibe. Um, but it's a really I think it's it's a fun movie. I was thinking about this too. It was like you know, I was thinking about Barbie a little bit because there's like people are like, "Oh, should I take my kid to see Barbie?" It's like I think this is also what almost in that category. And yeah, this is, where it's like you know, I think it's a good movie to show kids. I think similar to like Greta Gerwig with Barbie, I almost feel like Richard Linklater as well like inherently made this movie with the intention of showing it to a younger audience, like. You know, I because like I look at all the kids in that classroom, and I'm like, I don't imagine they're too far off from how they actually are in real life. Yeah, you know, like and, the way you know, they talk, the way they act. Story, you know? In this kind of story, you want them. Sorry to cut you off, but you no, want you them to see that kind of story. Yeah, I feel. I agree with that. Now, I do want to ask you something. So, <laughs> so obviously, with these two characters, we have uh, Dewey Finn or Ned Schneebly whichever um and then we have john keating um you you said that you attribute these two guys as like dad one and dad two you even wrote that in the notes i did yes <laughs> i I, w- I would like you to not that i really need you to because i 100 percent get it but i would like you to further explain this 
they very much remind me of Richard these two these two men um you know I just I just think very silly but also very very sweet very nice people um you know and like I think that also comes through especially in the second movie I'm like it's I'm like this is the Richard Purnell story um <laughs> it just not not that you would be a mooch um I try not to be no no not at all um I would never try but, to pretend to take I would never try to pretend to be someone else to take a job no that's good yeah that's good that's the, the first step um <laughs> the first step <laughs> <laughs> baby steps here baby steps you're baby getting steps. it you're getting it you're getting it get in there hang in there richard you're doing great buddy yes. um <laughs> just remember you gotta open the door get on the floor get, get, actually and, get off the floor so you can stop mooching and make sure my mother's not behind me <laughs> yeah you know, we want tina to be like the next like slender man uh, like jump scare <laughs> <laughs> that'd be an amazing uh, horror game um, to play Tina just when you thought you were alone in your house and then you just hear it's time to pick a pizza or or like who put, who put the shirt on it who put the shirt on it which in context just so you guys under, understand where that one comes from <laughs> There's there's an Instagram account where it's just this like prairie dog who wears a shirt. It's like it's like a Hawaiian shirt, but it's this video I posted that was just really funny because it was just this prairie dog and a shirt, and it wasn't even on right. And the video's going; it's just standing there. It walks away, and that's it. Yep. <laughs> and so I showed my mom, and the first thing she goes is, "Who put the shirt on it?" <laughs> and I cracked up you died and when you told me that it, i died it was incredible um but i also think you look like jack black like i can see that like it, it's it's like you don't like, you're not like clones but i'm like the the, the vibe i'm like it's jack black um, i'll take that over like when we were first like becoming friends and we were like celebrity casting like people in our friend group and everyone kept casting me as tj fucking miller Jesus Christ. I hated that. Yeah, every 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 time it happened, I was like, uh, and especially now, I'm like, no. No. no, no. Jack, Black. Jack, Jack Black, for sure. I'll tell that's uh, miles better. Miles. Just like your delivery on things also, too. Uh, <laughs> the way you intro the show. Uh, ha it's, 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 it's there. And plus the, your musical ability also. Oh, uh, thank singing. you. Um, so there, there is that, but I think, again, this is just, it just became the Richard episode, uh, (laughs) dad one and dad two, Robin Williams, Jack Black legends, you uh, fuse them together and you get this boy from Ohio, get get this lad, the wonderful esteemed dude one Richard. Um, and these movies are also just great. Like, you know, if you're like a teacher and you're looking for like some kind of inspiration, out there um you know you need, need something to like hey this is and these are great movies where it's like yeah you know what i do does uh make a difference you know you need need something to tell you that and uh especially yeah. especially in a cinema landscape where we have a lot of examples of like terrible teachers or like 
you know, odd examples of teachers and like scenarios that seem off putting, you know, yeah. like, you know, I think like the first thing that pops in my head is there's a movie called teaching Mrs. Tingle and it's, it's like a, like they're trying to kill their teacher or something. I, I don't like, I think it's something like that. Um, like there's just, I guess like I, you know what? Funny enough, I go to, um, William Daniels who plays probably arguably the most iconic teacher in pop culture, Mr. Feeney on Boy Meets World. Um, when he was initially approached to play the role of Mr. Feeney on the show, um, he he said, well, the first thing he asked was, what kind of role is this? Because I don't want to play a teacher that talks down or talks badly about teachers because of how shitty teachers have it in many respects and how little respect a lot of teachers tend to get you know especially in our society even though like they're so fucking important for everything that they do and how impactful they can be on the younger generation the future you know and so i i added those but like he didn't say all those things but i added but basically he was saying like if we're if we're playing this character if you want me to play this character in that regard then no because I think that's too much. There's too much of that already. So they're like, okay. Um, so then Mr. Feeney became who we know and love. This like this character that was on one hand, um, this you know sort of stick in the mud type character, but also like someone that genuinely cared about what he was doing, and actually cared about these characters to the point where I'll always remember this in the last episode when they're all grown up, when they're out of college, when they're going to move to different parts of the world, they go up to Mr. Feeney and they're in tears telling him how impactful he was and everything that they did for him. Because granted, also Mr. Feeney taught them like every single fucking grade. <laughs> so yep. it's like, what? Um, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure at some points he was like, can I please retire? Though there is a whole arc about that. But anyway, um, but, uh, he has so many certifications. <laughs> he has so many. How is he not a doctor at this point? But um, but no, like uh, the end of the episode, the end of the entire show, the first, the last scene is, um, like he doesn't, he can't obviously, he doesn't want to show like affection in, in a way that seems inappropriate. So you know, he says, you know, do he gives him like a final lesson, do good, and yeah. and like Topanga goes, do you mean do well? And he goes, no, do good. And um, they're all hugging him, and they're all in tears. I'm in tears thinking about it a little bit, actually. And they all leave the classroom. It's empty. He goes, I love you all. Class dismissed. And yep. I, I think about that all the time, and how like he, he approached that role, and how he almost didn't take it, knowing that teachers don't really, even in like a pop culture sense, don't get a lot of respect and that's not to say before him there wasn't like great examples but it's just like you can't think of a whole hell of a lot no and mr feeney is certainly one that comes up as as a as a good example um mm -hmm. a lot for sure folks what's your favorite teacher in media uh in like you know pop culture um what's your favorite jack black movie what's your favorite robin williams movie um would you uh mooch off of mike white Yes. <laughs> With that White Lotus has, money? I mean, the come White on. Lotus money? White, yes. white yes, Lotus absolutely. money era Mike White? Yes, I would. 
like he wants to have this take place i think like in like in asia and have it be like more of a religious thing and i'm like geez man like what what is he just writing him a blank check I just want to see Jack Black, like it's a, like, it's like monastery, and then just going and and then it's like suddenly some sh- like important shit happens. Like, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> Listen, make it happen, Mike White. We're just asking. We're asking nicely. You know Listen, what? We don't Can we get Ethan Hawke so- too, just to connect the movies? <laughs> <laughs> Ethan Hawke just shows up. We gotta understand about these religions is that it's, it's, it's all connection of being. <laughs> or he just reprises his character from uh, Glass Onion. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's You're how good. somebody gets killed. That's how the whole mystery starts. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> okay. So, so you think, because you're dead now. Oh! <laughs> Uh, that's gonna wrap it up uh, for this week's episode of Two Dudes One Double Feature. Check us out next week. Have a good night, everyone. Thank you all for listening to Two Dudes One Double Feature. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Special shout out as always to John and Kenny Armstrong. Thank you guys for everything you do. We love you both so much. And of course, stay tuned for a brand new episode of Two Dudes One Double Feature. The sewer <laughs> now.